in this episode of Post-Status Draft, Corey Miller is talking to Miriam Schwab from Stratic. Stratic is a tool that allows you to convert WordPress sites to static websites in one click, and they've really worked on how to do uh, headless WordPress hosting. It's really interesting, the product that they're building and the way they're going about it. This episode of Draft is brought to you by Yoast. Yoast is the number one WordPress SEO plugin. Allows you to get more visitors to your website through Google, social media, increase your reader engagement, and they just offer so many tools right out of the box for free. And you can also get Yoast SEO Premium for a very reasonable price. And something that you may not know as much about is their SEO training. They have a free course, and then you can get their premium setup that allows you to get even more bang for your buck and a lot of educational resources through the Yoast Academy. We love Yoast. Use it everywhere uh, and have used it for a really long time. It's a fantastic tool. Thanks so much to the team at Yoast for being post as partners. Now, here's the show. Well, hey, I've got uh, Miriam Schwab from Stratic on um, today to talk about all things static sites, uh, fundraising, entrepreneurship, and uh, we both were talking before we started recording that we're probably going to get interrupted by kids because we're in this whole pandemic and working from home. Um, so, Miriam, thanks so much for being on the podcast at Post Status today and to talk about your journey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so as far as Stratic goes, uh, so you have an office in Jerusalem, you said. How many team members do you have a part of Stratic? So we're a team of 19. 15 are in, well, until now. I mean, we're, we're in the Jerusalem area, and those of us in Jerusalem area uh, came to the Jerusalem office. We have two, two team members in the Tel Aviv area, and they came, were coming to the office once or twice a week um, in Jerusalem, and we also had an office for them there. And we have two team members outside of Israel who are, you know, we're working remotely, but now we're all remote. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, so let's dive right into Stratic. I'm, I'm really curious to hear the background. Um, Stratic, you started Stratic about four and a half years ago, I think. Um, and could you tell me how you got started? Sure. So I, uh, I founded a WordPress development agency called Luminea about 13 years ago. And um, through my work there where we were working, uh, we primarily uh, offered custom WordPress websites to um, like tech companies, Israeli tech companies and things like that, universities, like higher level types of websites. Uh, we, you know, we didn't build off of themes or something like that. And um, Throughout the years, I, I often had ideas for WordPress-related products, but I didn't pursue them for various reasons until I had the idea for Stratic. And that idea also came from, I mean, definitely came from my experience in the agency and with our own customers. We were providing a monthly retainer type of service to our customers, which many agencies offer, in order to keep their WordPress websites you know, secure, stable, and to offer them customer service when they need it to, for technical support and things like that. Um, that was, you know, win-win for, for us and for them. And that was going quite well. And, but as the years went on, offering that service kind of started taking more time and effort on our part as 
hacking went from being like individuals to bots and speed became increasingly important and customers really wanted that and um, scaling a website, if it got a lot of traffic or if it was DDoSed even lightly, that was becoming a headache. And um, there were just all sorts of things around it. And I was starting to feel um, frustrated with WordPress and wondering if maybe it was kind of the end of the road for WordPress, which was making me very sad because I loved WordPress and I had been working with it for so many years. And so, but the, these like issues related to the instability and insecurity were, were becoming pretty painful. And I could see that for the community as well. Um, and WordPress was starting to get kind of a bad reputation in the developer community. And that meant that it also is hard to hire or find high level developers who have extensive WordPress experience because it wasn't considered cool. So I started looking into what was considered cool, which was this emerging world of static site generators, um, also starting to be called um, Jamstack and, and also it's known as Headless. And I loved the concept because the websites that uh, were generated through this approach were basically unhackable because there weren't all of these underlying potential vulnerabilities, whether it's, you know, plugins that are updated or the even the processing, like the server itself having software that's outdated. And on a WordPress site, there's a lot of levels where there could potentially be security issues. Um, they're static static site generated websites are fast because there's no processing happening and um, they're just pre pre generated and pre rendered and uh, scaling is basically effortless. So I was like, that is really cool. I love this. But I started to explore what it meant for us to build these websites and then hand them off to our, our users. And our our users were generally marketing teams within companies. And I realized that like. A marketer would not be able to handle this type of website. It would actually hold them back from doing their work well because there's, it's not fully, first of all, managing the content on a statically generated website is um, it's like a very technic, technically oriented or driven process involving version control and different things like that. And right. that, you know, a marketer would not feel comfortable with. And also um, the front end and back end are not tied together. They're decoupled, which people celebrate as a positive. But what it means is that if someone wants to add something new to their website, they then need to pull in a developer. They can't create a new page and use like a page builder to lay it out or move widgets around or add a plugin. They, and so I saw that that was going to be very limiting. So first of all, it made me feel great <laughs> and um, renewed my confidence in WordPress um, and its future because it made me realize that really for in so many cases, WordPress is still the best option. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I, so, so I, I love the static uh, conversation because it's vintage for me in the sense of when I first, when I started my first quote blog in like 2006, I was using blogger now owned by Google, Google. And I think it was owned by Google back then too, but I would type my stuff and I would push save and then I'd push publish and it would push everything over via FTP to <laughs> my site. And uh, I, I loved it. It was my first like real experience with some kind of content management system, even if it was pushing HTML files over. And uh, then about a month or two later, I, I found WordPress and, it, and, you know, game over. I just went into WordPress. Yeah. But it's so like some of the things you're talking about, the problems were things that over the last couple of years, I think we've seen a big uh, in, influx of problems associated with maintain like all the things you talked about if you don't maintain WordPress 
WordPress itself to the latest version, you're going to get hacked. That's a n- numero uno, right? Um, if you don't update plugins, we've seen some big breaches with plugins too. And uh, then this problem of, um, so static becomes this, I, it was kind of like this rejuvenation when I started seeing some of the static offerings come out. And I was telling you about a year or two ago, I started looking around and I think I even pinged you uh, because the static phenomenon was interesting because it was kind of a return to how I got started. But I was like, the things you're talking about, speed, uh, scalability, security, those are big issues that we've seen a lot of uh, solutions come into WordPress to try to solve those. But it's really interesting that, um, you know, Stratic is one of the offerings to help uh, combat some of those issues. Now, okay, so I love how it was is came about and everything based on your customers live, you know, trying to figure out marketing and things like that, how, how they would, de- like you said, kind of not have to refer to a developer to get this going. And that's really interesting to me. Um, so, but one of the problems that comes up often with static is things like forms or things like e-commerce. Um, I know you just released the gravity forms um, kind of solution to uh, that particular one of those particular issues, but can you talk about that? How, how you um, wade into, you know, more di- form type stuff and dynamic type things like e-commerce and, and help your customers and clients um, solve those, those problems. Sure. Just with regards to what you were saying, it is like the internet has come in a way full circle. Cause I also started out building static websites um, and FTPing them up onto the server. And then you're like, but we're back there, but it's a, it's a more modern way. So yeah, we're back Absolutely. there, but <laughs> we've come full circle with benefits. So, um, so with regards to dynamic functionality, on static websites. So first of all, static just it's um it's a word that confuses a lot of people because they think it means um, boring and not dynamic. And what static really is referring to is the architecture of the website. So a static website means it's not running on um, some kind of you know familiar uh, architecture like LAMP. Um, and when it's not running on LAMP, it can still have dynamic feeling functionality. Uh, so some uh, some types of dynamic functionality are things like um, galleries and, you know, Twitter feeds or whatever, any type of information or content that's being pulled in to a website. Um, but technically, dynamic functionality is anything that depends on, uh, you know, querying a database and processing PHP. And that, of course, can't happen on a static website because there's no underlying LAMP architecture. So what do we do? (laughs) Um, So we've approached this in a number of ways, and we still have quite a way to go, but we're trying to tackle the biggest issues um, first as a priority and and learn as we go along. Uh, So you mentioned forms. So one of the, the positive things about what we're doing and the timing is that because of the rise of the Jamstack and static site generators, and also this approach to websites being, uh, some people call it like a content mesh, where um, let's say WordPress is used for what it's great for, which is managing the content, but um, other types of functionality on the site are will pull will integrate with, with platforms that do that particular thing really well. Um, we're seeing a lot of different form options um, from third-party solutions that work great on static, some examples of that are Typeform or Google Forms, or if someone's using HubSpot for their CRM or their marketing automation, HubSpot Forms. Um, so there's all those types of options. And, and many websites for companies that are using their sites for lead generation are already doing that. But then you, we have many websites that are running 
uh, forms built with WordPress plugins um, because it's just, it's such a great and easy way to, to build the forms. And then often they'll integrate with third-party services. So that still demands LAMP architecture. So what we did was first we created support for contact form seven because simply because it's the most widely used um, form plugin. Okay, so mm -hmm. that was that. And the way that we did that is that we utilize um, serverless functions like Lambda functions. Our whole platform is built on um, Amazon Web Services, AWS. So the advantage of that is that on the static and serverless architecture, we, we can activate serverless functions, which are kind of like, let's say, tiny mini servers <laughs> that spin up when needed and then spin down when their job is done. So you don't have to run a whole underlying server and you just use that. So that was for contact form seven. Um, and that was great. But the sites that are coming to us tend to be um, like relatively sophisticated. And so they're not using contact form seven. They are using other form plugins. And we were finding that many were using gravity forms. Uh, just like we did in our agency. I, I was a big fan and still am a big fan of gravity forms. So we made it a priority to support gravity forms. And um, it's a really exciting accomplishment for us. Basically, our users can use 95%, I would say, of native Gravity Forms functionality. They don't have to change their behavior. They don't have to change anything. And the minute they click our static publish button on their site and deploy their site to static, that form looks the same to the end user and on the front end. But what happens is when the user clicks submit, our own technology comes into play and emulates the Gravity Forms um, functionality. And then recently we also released uh, Zapier um, integration for Gravity Forms so people can use Gravity Forms and then just send that information to send that data to whatever services they want. So that, that's with regards to forms. Another thing that we tackled quite early on was search. So, you know, there's a standard WordPress search bar that anybody can put on their WordPress site and then it would query the database and spit out search results. So that obviously doesn't work on static. Uh, first, we tried some JavaScript-based client-side um, search solutions. They weren't great. So we ended up integrating Algolia for all of our users' websites. Algolia is basically the best commercial search solution out there. Um, it's very high quality. It runs on a lot of e-commerce sites and um, other well-known sites. And um, our users don't have to do anything. Also, the minute they click the Publish button, we generate, uh, well, the first time we generate the whole index for their site, second time updated index, and we do something to the search bar so that when users from that point on search for something, they're actually accessing the Algolia index and getting search results from there, which means that they're getting fast search results and also much higher quality search results on static sites, on static sites and they don't have to do anything to integrate that. It's out of the box. So those are just some examples of how we're tackling dynamic uh, functionality. There's definitely dynamic functionality that we don't support now and we hope to support in the future. And a major one is WooCommerce. WooCommerce heavily depends on, you know, um, database in order to manage the shopping cart. We do have, interestingly, one of the biggest e-commerce sites in the world is running on Stratic or the fastest growing, but their e-commerce site is proprietary, something that they built. And so that's, that's running with them. And we do have a few sites that are using WooCommerce for the catalog functionality only. So they're running on Stratic and they work perfectly. And we have some sites that are integrated with third-party headless e-commerce solutions like Snipcart. 
and that kind of thing. And they also work perfectly, but we do not support WooCommerce at this time. Yeah. But it's something you guys are, uh, are planning on. Yeah, we have it on our roadmap. There's some really interesting things that are happening around WooCommerce and Headless. So there's like a WP GraphQL, um, Mm -hmm. you know, solution for that. And so we're going to be looking into that to see how, how we can integrate that with, with static published, static published static sites. Um, so yeah, so that's on our roadmap and, uh, and we'll see how we'll tackle that down the line. Okay. So, um, so I, I love the background. I love that you're uh, working through these. A lot of these things are known, you know, things, you know, dynamic type uh, forms or e-commerce or something like that. But I love the, um, the, the, the steps you're taking toward all these things. If you kind of think through, and I'm going to sidestep for just a second, the future of WordPress for a second. We, you, you, you made this great comment, which was, I wasn't sure about the future of WordPress a couple of years ago. And um, that's so interesting because I think we've all probably been, most of us have been there at some point going, okay, how long can this go? Um, it, it still is very, uh, it, it's a long-term piece of, so I'm trying not to say it's legacy. It's not, it's, 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 it's not old software, but it's been around for a long time. And we're trying to make some as a community, some, um, you know, turns in that direction. Gutenberg is an example, particularly from the core team. But if you look out like five years, if you can put look into your crystal ball and say five years in WordPress, what do you see for the future of WordPress? I actually think the future of WordPress is promising. And I might not have said that a few years ago. Um, and I think it's because there's a lot of really interesting and exciting innovations that are taking place around WordPress that pull it into the present and the future. Um, one of the, there's a few things that were added to WordPress core that I think help with that. Um, one of them is the REST API. And that is just kind of a foundational element that allows WordPress to be used in a headless fashion um, using certain tools. And so that's already more forward thinking. And I know that it was controversial and this is not exactly related to what we do at Stratic, but um, I think that the rollout of Gutenberg also is playing a role in securing the future of WordPress. One of the types of feedback that we were getting a lot in our agency was that um, WordPress was not intuitive to use. And that was weird for us to hear after being using it for so many years. We were, but it turns out we were used to it and the web had moved on to a type of WYSIWYG interface that was for real, not like, you know, an editing box, but actually a full page editing experience Mm -hmm. on sites like Medium and Wix and things like that. And people were getting used to that throughout all all types of software, actually. And then they would come to WordPress and it felt old school and actually confusing to them. So um, I think Gutenberg still has, you know, a way to go in terms of, you know, development and and functionality, but it's an excellent start. And I think that that plays a strong role in securing the future. Um, With regards to the the innovations around, you know, static and headless. So we're just one, and I love seeing that. Um, There are other companies and individuals who are creating solutions that try to marry the kind of older world of WordPress and the LAMP server and it, it is a 15, 16-year-old piece of software with the modern web. And it's inevitable that that has to happen. That's the kind of thing that has to happen or or else. 
um, unfortunately or unfortunately, like software needs to be pulled into the future. So, and the future exists in a particular way for good reason. Um, it brings with it a lot of benefits and solves a lot of, of issues. So I think with all this activity that's going on around WordPress and this growing awareness of this new approach, WordPress is becoming kind of exciting again. And I see that in a lot of developer forums related to WordPress or other, even other platforms. The conversations will go something like this. Um, I wish I didn't have to work with WordPress, but all my customers want WordPress. And the truth is, it's the best one for them to use. Okay, fine. Oh, and look, there's all these really interesting tools that are now available around WordPress that are actually quite cool. And then the conversation will go there. Um, and that makes WordPress exciting for developers, which I also think is important for the future. So um, developers who are used to more modern tools would see WordPress is old and uh, PHP is old and this is old and that's old. And now it's not. Now you can build it with a modern front end. You can build it as headless. And that makes it something that they're excited, excited to work with. And I've seen that also appear repeatedly in developer forums. So between all of those elements, I think that WordPress's future, like in five years from now, is actually quite bright. So one thing you may not know about Yoast is that they actually offer an all-inclusive bundle where you can get all Yoast plugins and all training courses for $599 per year. So you not only get Yoast SEO premium, but if you need Yoast local premium, if you need the video extension, news extension, WooCommerce extension, you can get all of that plus their really outstanding online teaching courses all in one singular bundle. You can go to poststatus.com slash Yoast to see those plans and to check out to see which bundle is right for you for your next website. This is the way to go with Yoast. You can learn and then apply all of the things that you've learned to all of your websites with the Yoast SEO bundle at poststatus.com slash Yoast. Thanks to Yoast for being a PostStatus partner. You've raised money. So so let me, so I should scale back for a second. Uh, Illuminea, you sold last year. It was acquired by another company. Um, and I assume to focus fully on Stratic. And then in the yeah. last couple of months, you've raised money. I have not raised money. You've raised a great round, it seems like. And uh, so would you tell me a little bit of like, what that's, that was like to fundraise and raise around? Sure. I also had not raised any money, so <laughs> it was a new experience for me. Um, and you are correct. I, um, I sold Luminas so I could focus um, entirely on Stratic. I started working on Stratic while I was still managing Illuminae. My time at Illuminae was going down, and my time at Stratic was going up, and it, it just it was the right move. Um, it was sad to sell my first baby kind of thing, um, but it's in really good hands now. And, and I'm really happy about that. So with regards to fundraising, um, wow, there's so much to say about, about it. Um, I learned a ton from my partner, Josh Lawrence, who joined me uh, over two years ago. So I had started to work on the concept for Stratic. Um, like in 2016, I got accepted to an a startup accelerator and, uh, but like, I realized we, that I, we, which eventually became we, we needed to raise funding. Um, there's, there's a number of, uh, important things to keep in mind when it comes to fundraising. 
Well, can I pause you for just a second? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what the decision to, so you go, we realized we needed to raise funding. How did that yeah. come about? Was, I mean, was your previous company Illuminate, was it bootstrapped from the beginning? Um, I, I assume because you said you didn't take money, you know, around or do fundraising or anything. And, and what was the, what was the, the thought around we needed to raise money? So the thought was the following. If, if we have a very big vision, which we do, okay, um, WordPress is a very big percentage of the internet, continues to grow, it's huge. And if we have a very big vision and we want to um, get into that market in a strong and fast way, then the bootstrapping methodology won't cut it um, in order to scale in the way that we envision that we need to and want to. That's, I think, basically what fundraising for a startup comes down to, having a giant market that you are aiming for. And in order to do that, you really need the resources. And the resources essentially comes down to, at least at this stage, the team. Um, When I started out building Stratic, uh, built an initial first proof of concept and it was quite simple and but it turns out that building out this whole platform is really quite complicated. To make it work fast and perfectly and catch all sorts of you know, edge cases and also support things like the forms and the search, and we have a lot on our roadmap going forward. Um, the bootstrapping, we wouldn't be able to ramp up the revenue fast enough in order to support the team that we would need, which is quite high level. Um, you know, Out of our whole team, of 19, the number of people who are actually like WordPress professionals is a a minority. Most of our team is full stack engineers, um, you know, very talented people who are critical to the development of this platform. So, so that's more or less where the, the approach came from that um, fundraising is what needed to happen. I also think that for the WordPress industry, it's kind of time that we all understand how huge our industry is and how much potential there is. I think, including myself, until the last few years, we all kind of saw WordPress as a small, I don't know, something. And, you know, but it's, it's such a huge market and there's such huge demand for it that there's a reason that companies like Automatic or WP Engine uh, raise tons of money because in order to, gain access to that market, you really need the resources. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that between them and us, I'm not comparing us to them. They're huge. We're small <laughs> at this point. Um, and also Elementor Ray, like announced their fundraising on the same day as we did, which was a funny coincidence. Um, hopefully the industry might change its mindset and realize, hey, we're actually really huge. <laughs> and um, it's time to put on our, you know, big person pants and, uh-huh. you know, approach it differently. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we talked about that. How long did the process take to get to, you know, from the point you go, well, start actually taking forward steps to, you know, talk to investors and, and maybe VCs or whoever. Um, how long did the whole process to take to when you close the round? Um. We we raised the funding. It's hard. It's it's not exactly 
Okay, we, we raised um, like a pre-seed uh, amount. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was kind of a rolling pre-seed and, um, you know, angel investors and that kind of thing. And that gave us the resources to build our initial team, to build our, um, like a more advanced product and get paying customers on board. And then once we had that under our belt, that's when we went to start fundraising. So the fundraising, um, at first we tried to raise the funds uh, through VCs in Israel. We were not successful here. We don't, we're not the typical founder, like Israeli founder. And that's what Israeli um, venture capital funds are used to. Uh, they're used to people who graduated from elite intelligence units in the army. Me and Josh are neither of those. I'm a female founder. That's already kind of uh, very unusual, et cetera, et cetera. So we set our sights on uh, the West Coast, actually, because we already had some connections there. And we got connected um, through a friend of mine here to Eric Reese, the author of The Lean Startup. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that was really exciting. And he said, you know, we scheduled a half hour call with him. We ended up talking to him for like an hour and a half. He was so excited about what we were doing. And then he got on board uh, as an investor and an advisor. And he said, I'll introduce you to like everyone. And he did. <laughs> like He's the type of person who can. Yeah. That was not expected. <laughs> I mean, like that was not a strategy that we set out to do. We, uh, But it was in a way the result of like a lot of legwork before that. So, you know, making people aware that we're out there starting conversations conversations with investors, getting many introductions to many people. That was one that happened to stick, but that was really critical. All of that, you know, networking, introductory type stuff um, in order mm-hmm. to get door. And then we kept flying to the Valley, uh, Josh and myself, and we would have meetings like all day, every day with um, investors. And um, we got a ton of no's. And that's the general story with fundraising. And it's really important to also adapt a mindset that is that, the no's are not personal. It's a funnel and not everyone's going to like identify with you, love what you're doing, get your market and all that kind of stuff. And that's totally fine. In the beginning, we would, we would modify our pitch and our, even our deck based on the feedback that the investor the day before gave us. And then at a certain point we realized, no, we have to stick with who we are and be strong about that and just represent that over and over again until we meet the right person and there's chemistry. And so that's eventually what happened and then things kind of snowballed and, and the round came together. Um, but it was a lot of pre legwork years of, you know, just trying to get our name out there, the point out there, learning how to communicate it in a way that made sense and that others could understand. Uh, it was, it was hard and long. Yeah. I, I like that. What a great takeaway is that you were kind of changing and revolving and I can totally understand that. Go from one meeting, oh, they, they asked this question or they saw this gap or something. Let's let's make sure we build that in. And then eventually going, let's just be us. I think that's a great word uh, for what sounds like fundraising, but also just general business too. So, so, so what a great word. What were some of the things that you, and I'm curious because I think a lot of the WordPress community, just like you kind of mentioned, um, hasn't been through raising round two. What were some elements of the deck that you, you included or that you felt were important? That's a really good question. I, I really want to write about this and I'm just not getting around to it. So you'll see often when people talk about fundraising or how to fundraise, there's a lot of talk around the deck. And then there's all these posts that will go here, are 10 decks that raised billions of dollars, right? And they'll show like Airbnb <laughs> and this and that, right? Yeah. From my experience and from my perspective, the deck is 
a very tiny part of what makes a round happen. Um, yeah. Basically, the point of the deck is it something that you sent to an investor that you've been connected with so that they can have a clue about what you do and that they hopefully can clear, like relatively clearly understand what the pain points are, how you, like why they matter, how you solve them, something about the size of your market, um, any initial traction, like that's, if if I remember correctly, that's pretty much what's in the deck and that's what's most important. It needs to look like professional so that you, you look like you care <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of people have it professionally designed. We found a template online and that's what we just kept using, but at least it meant that it looked professional and clean and it, you know, reflected our brand. And that is it. The deck is only to get in the door. In the beginning, we would open the deck in fundraising meetings and we would go through the deck. They would be, they'd be like, do you want to present? And we'd be like, yes, we do, because that's <laughs> what we thought you were supposed to do. And they'd hook us up to the screen and we'd go, Slide one, uh, the point point are or the whole world is using WordPress and here are some examples. And that did not work out well at all. It was a very cold and static, to use that word, way of representing us. So we stopped doing that. We would never open our deck in meetings and we just started a conversation and we would like give some background and they'd ask questions. We'd answer those questions. We'd bring some more points. And we started to recognize questions that were repeatedly asked. So we got, we would like hone our answers to those. That was it. So my advice to people is make your deck look nice and make sure that it's clear and gets the point across. Have someone who understands this type of thing, like read it and give you feedback on it. Have someone who doesn't understand your industry, read it and give you feedback on it. That's also really important because it's important to remember that um, investors have seen, see a ton of companies and they are very well-versed in many industries, but they're not experts. And they might not be experts in your industry. doesn't mean that you're not interesting to them, but you need to get across the pain points and your solution and why it matters in a way that they can understand, not in a way that you can understand. So that's really important. Um, But after that, it sits in a drawer (laughs) in your Mm -hmm. computer and you don't open it again. It sounds like, and I, I can see this for myself, is that you could use it as a crutch too. And and uh, I can't imagine all the investors you potentially talk to and how many decks they've seen over the years. So Totally. And it feels too, like knowing your stuff is, is a key. That's what I kind of sound, uh, I heard from you too, or translated is like, you knew you knew your stuff. You didn't need a deck to distract people from. And then the conversation and where, uh, that went and it feels like too building a relationship because you want it, this both sides of this as I would uh, uh, you know assume it's a it's a it's a big relationship thing when they put money in and also they get equity I mean you're your partners so it seems absolutely. like the relationship side is is absolutely key too yeah so you're you're absolutely right so first of all yes the deck can be a crush and um there was one slide that we had at one point that showed growth and it was like the typical hockey stick growth <laughs> graph. And I would like start laughing every time I showed it because it's so silly. Like who knows what's going to be in five years. And yes, everyone says they're going to be a $1 billion company. We took that out. I couldn't take it anymore, even though you're supposed to have it in. Um, but in the end, investors are investing. Yes. They're investing in your market. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was like, yeah. Five years, we will have one million customers and be making a billion dollars revenue. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay, like as if you know. And and what was nice going to the valley was that the investors there are so sophisticated that they know just like you that they're 
the, in Hebrew, venture capital is called um, risk capital. That's the oh, literal wow. translation. Yeah. And it's because they're investing in a high risk, but potentially highly profitable business. So they know as well as you, especially with their experience, that what happens today might not happen tomorrow and you might pivot and you might this, you might that. And so showing these projections, it's good to have something to aim for, but that's not, that's not the main, you know, the bread and butter of this whole thing. But yeah. um, you are absolutely right that they're investing in people. And that's also why it was important to put the deck away because then our personalities could emerge and we could talk like human beings having a conversation. And that's where the chemistry comes into play. Obviously you can't be just making things up or BSing. Like you have to be for real because <laughs> that also comes across. But if yeah. you have a personality and you are who you are, it comes back to that. I also stopped trying to be someone I wasn't. I am who I am. This is it. And so, you know, obviously within reason, I'm, <laughs> I try to have social skills. Um, and um, <laughs> you're an expert in what you do, then that's, that's where the click can eventually happen. Yeah, I, I think that's so important uh, too. But I love uh, one of the themes I'm getting from what you're sharing. I so much appreciate you sharing this so openly is, is, you know, not trying to be somebody you are, being the authentic self and sharing what you what you're doing. Uh, I mean, I, I was thinking of this slide that you could put, we could put together, and it's like a, a picture of a physical hockey stick, a unicorn, <laughs> and a big bag of money, and go. This is it. This is my slide deck. <laughs> this is what I have. To, this is the executive summary. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Okay, so. Last kind of in wrapping up here, and I so much appreciate Miriam your um, your your openness to share all of this. Um, so now that you've got the round and you got the money, what's next for you and Stratic? Okay, so the first thing was to build out our team and hire um, for the key positions that we had identified that we need, which we did relatively quickly, which was great. Um, we actually are going to have a few more open positions on our site. Um, in the next few days. So people are more than welcome to come and check it out. We are definitely hiring remote. Uh, we realized early on that if we want to hire top WordPress professionals, we need to be open to that. And it's actually working quite well. So we love it. So anyways, that's with regards to that. Um, now, and then once we have our team in place, we have a roadmap ahead of us of different um, like broader types of features and functionality and then more detail oriented. So I'll give one example. Uh, we are always working on making our publishing process faster. So if you're a WordPress user, you're used to editing your content, clicking publish, and you immediately see whatever changes you made on your site, on the front end. That's not the case with Stratic. You make your changes on your WordPress site, and then you click our button, and then we generate a static version of your site. And that's what the world views, and that process takes time. So from the beginning, we've been cutting that time down more and more and more. We have, we have some like very exciting um, ideas that we're going to be rolling out over the next few sprints that will make the publishing time even faster. Our whole goal is to make the Stratic user experience as in line with the native WordPress experience, experience as possible so that people don't feel friction or frustration when they're using Stratic and, um, and then they get the, the awesome static results. So, so there's that type of thing. We are still in beta. We were in public in private beta um, until we got into TechCrunch, which is when we opened it up. But we're still a, a beta product. We're still, you know, we have um, things that we need to roll out and uh, different types of functionality. So our users know that. Um, 
don't worry, it's stable, it works. It's just we're, we're, we're at that stage. So we want to take it out of beta. Um, and then we're going to start, in addition to continuously developing more products and uh, features and improvements and support for different more forms and all this kind of stuff, um, we're going to start doing actual sales and marketing. At the moment, our customers come to us inbound, word of mouth, or you know, they hear me speak. Well, they used to hear me speak at conferences. Now <laughs> I speak from home um, and uh, things like that. And we're going to start hopefully doing, you know, more proactive uh, work on, on that front. So that's just some of the things that are in the pipeline. Excellent. Well, um, if you just FYI, the post-status job boards, uh, I've heard lots of good testimonials from people saying we hired really good people from there. So the post-status, and I'll say this too to listeners, the job board is one of the best features part of post-status community. Uh, but, you know, going back to being hiring remote, I think, you know, we made that realization at iThemes, if we were going to, you know, grow, we had, we tried to get everybody into Oklahoma City and it's like, well, this, the tourism brochure isn't the most glossy one for Oklahoma City. Uh, and I get it. People want to stay where they kind of, you know, grew up and that's the case for me. So, uh, so I get that. And uh, I think you'll find some great opportunities there with, uh, with going remote and having access to people all over the world. And, and that's awesome. Miriam, thanks so much for your time today. Congratulations on the round rounds, plural, uh, and uh, your future and what you're doing with Stratic. I'm excited to uh, tag along and see, or at least see how you're doing from afar. Thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. And I appreciated your questions about fundraising because when I'm on WordPress podcasts, it's not really addressed, but I think it's important to, for like, I want to share my knowledge and I think it's important for the WordPress community to start thinking in this direction. So thank you. You bet. Uh, Miriam, real quick, where can people find you? Um, so I'm on Twitter, Miriam Schwab, pretty easy to find there. Uh, also on Facebook, um, I write different types of stuff in both places. So feel free to follow me both places. Um, and my email address is Miriam at Stratic with two T's in the middle dot com. And so if anyone wants to reach out, feel free, happy to hear from them. That's extremely generous. Thanks so much today uh, for today, Miriam. We appreciate it. Thank you.